Welcome to First Mover, presented by Underdog Fantasy. Every week one game has now been played aside from Raiders-Ravens on Monday Night Football. I'm Josh Larkey, the Director of Analytics at Voto Wonderworld and PlayerProfiler.com, and you can find me on Twitter at JLarkeyTweets, J-L-A-R-K-Y Tweets. On this episode, we'll hit five segments. I'll offer a few thoughts on the differences between cash games and GPPs, then I'll quickly break down how my Week 1 DFS lineups did. Next, I'll discuss Week 2 players I expect to target and fade based on their DraftKings and FanDuel salaries. Then I'll review all the Week 2 matchups on the main Sunday slate, highlighting the games I'm most interested in. And finally, I'll leave you all with a bold prediction for Week 2. Cash Games vs. GPPs Cash games are generally head-to-head matchups, where you need to have a higher score than one other player, or double-up contests where roughly half the field doubles their money while the rest get nothing. Here's two quick examples of cash games. You could have a $10 head-to-head matchup, you against somebody else, one-on-one. Your lineup scores 120 points, your opponent scores 115 points. $20 went into the pot, and the winner might walk away with $18. So the rake or the money going back to the gambling platform would be $2. Then there's also the double up contest. Say there's 1,000 people that enter a double up. And out of those 1,000, the top 450 double their money. So just under half the entrants double their money by having one of the top 450 scoring lineups out of the 1,000. Then there's GPP or tournament entries. GPP stands for Guaranteed Prize Pool. Essentially, whether or not that tournament fills up, the prizes laid out by the platform will still be paid in full. If there's a 200,000 person tournament and the winner gets half a million dollars, regardless if 190,000 people enter or the full 200,000 people enter, the winner will still get half a million dollars. Generally, you want to play it quote-unquote safer for cash games since you only need to finish in the top half to double your money. And then for GPPs or tournaments, you want to have more risk and often more stacking and correlated plays in your lineup. Because you only have solid profits by finishing in the top 1-2% for the highest scoring entries in a tournament to really make some money. Now before we dive into how Week 1 DFS went for me yesterday, we have a brand new DFS module on playerprofiler.com for the 2021 season. Our flagship offering there is our Lineup Genius, which I'll discuss shortly. In addition to the Lineup Genius, we have four other tools in our DFS module. We have a Cash Game Optimizer, where you have control over which players to include and exclude from the Cash Game Optimization process. We have an Upside Finder, where I generate 85th percentile projections for every player for both DraftKings and FanDuel scoring. Many other services present these impossible-to-reach upside projections, while we settled on an 85th percentile projection. Essentially, that's right in the middle of the chance of, if you had two dice, it's right in the middle of the chance of rolling a 6 or rolling a 7 if you're playing the game of Monopoly. Rolling a 6, it's about a 14% chance. Rolling a 7 is around a 17% chance. So we're kind of right in the middle with that 15% chance, 85th percentile projection. For you to take down a tournament, you want an 85th percentile outcome from most of your players. And we believe centering our tournament research around this type of outcome 
is a better strategy than chasing that 95th percentile outcome for all your players, which realistically, that's never going to happen for you in your lifetime. Then we have the value finder. That's your classic fantasy points per dollar projection for both DraftKings and FanDuel to help you spot undervalued singular plays to mix into your lineups. And one thing you'll notice is that our FanDuel projections are the exact same as our half PPR projections, since FanDuel uses normal half PPR scoring. However, you will find that our DraftKings projections are even higher than our PPR projections, even though DraftKings is PPR scoring. But that's because of the scoring wrinkle with DraftKings, where any time a player hits 300 pass yards, 100 rush yards, or 100 receiving yards, they get a three-point bonus for all of our DraftKings projections. We calculate the probability that a player hits each of these thresholds. I'll give a basic example. Say Stefan Diggs has a projection of 18 PPR points, and we calculate internally that there is a 50% chance Stefan Diggs is going to eclipse 100 receiving yards for that week. With a 50% chance of getting the three-point bonus for 100 receiving yards, we would multiply 0.5 times 3 and get 1.5 additional expected fantasy points for Stefan Diggs on DraftKings. So, while his PPR projection would be 18, on our DFS module, his DraftKings projection would end up being 19.5 for that week. We also have the Underdog Pick'em Generator where we present our favorite over-under prop bets on Underdog Fantasy for that week. And if you still haven't signed up for Underdog Fantasy yet, it's okay. The season has already started, but you know what? You can still use promo code UNDERWORLD to get $10 free with your first deposit. Promo code UNDERWORLD on Underdog Fantasy. Back to the lineup genius. While other services, they wink, and they hint and they try and sneak you a little note under the table and give you, they'll give you a little idea of who to play in your lineups. But really, we all know they're keeping their favorite plays and stacks to themselves so they can have unique lineups and profit at your expense. We at playerprofiler.com and Roto Underworld actually give you the exact lineups we are entering ourselves each Sunday. Do you want access to the 20 DraftKings and 20 FanDuel tournament lineups that Matt Kelly and I are entering each week? That's where the lineup genius comes in. The 2020 season was extremely profitable, and we expect the 2021 season to be profitable as well. Not only do you get our 20 favorite lineups on each platform for tournaments, but you can even choose to include or exclude certain players, and then we will generate new tournament lineups for you based on that new player constraint. And if you want in on our brand new DFS module, go to playerprofiler.com and click the DFS Dominator tab at the top to get started. Regarding week one, it was kind of a break-even week for me playing our lineups. And I'll mention this many times during the season. Most weeks, you will either maintain your money or lose a little. But we work towards having several extremely profitable weeks throughout the season when our lineups hit big, and that is how you make your money. Talk to any professional DFS player, and they'll let you know that most weeks, they aren't making money in tournaments. The key is proper research and lineup construction mixed with weekly persistence, and then of course there's the dash of luck thrown in. 
I actually had a great ROI on FanDuel yesterday, whereas historically, I more often make money on DraftKings. And if you're wondering why that is, I detail that in last week's episode of First Mover. DraftKings, I mostly maintain my money, and I really wish I had put more money into FanDuel last week. I ended up spending about three times as much money on DraftKings last week compared to FanDuel, and in hindsight, I wish I had split that up a little more 50-50. But life goes on. Our best DraftKings lineup had Kyler Murray, Chase Edmonds, and Rondale Moore all stacked together, and we ran it back with Derrick Henry. We also had some Jarvis Landry, Travis Kelsey skinny correlation, Brandon Cooks, Marvin Jones skinny correlation from that game, and then we had the Saints defense. This was actually one of our late pivot lineups, where from everything that we'd read, Odell Beckham was going to play in that game Sunday afternoon. So of course, an hour and a half before kickoff, it was announced, no, Odell Beckham is inactive. Fortunately, we had some backup plans in place. We re-ran all of our processes, and it let us know that we could pivot to Landry and then drop to the Saints defense. That ended up working really well. Landry had a good game. The Saints defense, as you may have heard, held the Packers to no touchdowns, but basically it was the big dog. He held our lineup back. Derrick Henry had 58 rushing yards, no touchdowns in week one. So that lineup, while it was hitting the pay line well, it did not absolutely crush yesterday. On FanDuel, our best lineup had Kyler Murray, Rondale Moore, and Chase Edmonds as well. And we ran it back with A.J. Brown from the Titans. We had McCaffrey and Corey Davis from that Jets-Panthers game. That hit really well. We had Joe Mixon, who went for well over 100 yards against the Vikings. And then we had T.J. Hawkinson, who smashed against the 49ers. That lineup was absolutely killer. And I placed very high in a few tournaments I entered it into. Unfortunately, I could have done even better if not for the minus three we took at defense with the Jaguars. They gave up 37 points to the lowly Texans. And I'm convinced that that wasn't a bad process play, the Jaguars' defense. If anything, we would assume the Texans trended towards a bad offense. We know they're tanking. And then the Jaguars, it's a young defense. We generally, before the season starts, don't know that much about defense. So, I mean, maybe the Jaguars could have been an average defense this year. We just didn't know. But it seemed like a worthy gamble based on their projection going up against the Texans' offense. But minus three, we had to eat it. So all that Kyler lineup crushed on FanDuel, it could have done even better in hindsight if we didn't have the Jags' defense. And overall, we had nearly all the best plays of the week in our lineups, but just didn't quite have that perfect lineup to hit big in a tournament for week one. We had Kyler, Hopkins, Hawkinson, Kelsey. We had Christian Kirk, McCaffrey, Devonta Smith, Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DeAndre Swift, almost all the best plays of the week. But that New Orleans-Green Bay Packers game really hurt us. We had several solid lineups where, of course, in the late games, we were rooting on Kamara or Devontae Adams or Aaron Jones to really tie that lineup together. But all three of them disappointed in week one. On to the next week. Looking at quarterback. On DraftKings, we have Kyler Murray at the very top with a salary of 8200 Minimum salary on DK is 4000 Now, you may remember that Kyler Murray absolutely torched the poorest secondary of the Titans yesterday. Breaking news, Chef Russell Wilson faces the Titans in Week 2. So make sure to have him in your tournament lineups. He's 7500 A couple more names that caught my eye below him. Prescott and Herbert are 6800 and 6700 respectively. More on those two shortly, as rumor has it, the Chargers and Cowboys are playing each other in Week 2. 
we have Jalen Hurts. He's only 6,500 against the 49ers. It looks like despite the massive performance yesterday against the Falcons, his salary hasn't changed. I know it's the 49ers, but their defense did allow nearly 30 fantasy points to Jared Goff yesterday. So Jalen Hurts looks very, very juicy. Hurts looks like he's going to be both cash viable and tournament viable. Another guy I really like is Tannehill, potentially a bounce back performance. He's facing the Seahawks, which are not a great defense. He's down at 6,300. And then here's the expensive wild card. We'll know more in the next few days. Oh, baby. If Justin Fields ends up being named the starter for week two, Fields is only $5,000 playing the Bengals. And Justin Fields is going to be an absolute must play if that happens. On FanDuel, you should pay up for Kyler again. He has now become the most expensive quarterback for the week on FanDuel. He's 8700 Or you can roll with Justin Herbert, who's down at 7600 And I wouldn't go much farther down than Tannehill at 7300 for week two on FanDuel. Because remember, FanDuel pricing, it's generally more condensed than DraftKings, which further incentivizes you to play better players on FanDuel and removing the DraftKings incentive of saving salary with minimum cost players. While you can find the four and $5,000 quarterbacks that are starting each week on DraftKings, generally you won't find a starting quarterback below around $6,000 on FanDuel, which is why it's better to pay up in the sevens and eight thousands for a quarterback on FanDuel. Moving on to running back. On DraftKings, McCaffrey, he's at the top, salary of $9,900, and the minimum RB salary is 4000 I like Najee Harris a lot on DraftKings. He's 6300 against the Raiders' bad defense. Najee did not deliver yesterday in the fantasy points department. But may I interest you in this stat? Najee Harris played a ridiculous 100% of the team's snaps, which rarely ever happens in today's game. So I'm confident in firing up Najee Harris again, especially knowing some others will be scared away because of his disappointing fantasy point output from yesterday. And he's a great option for tournaments. David Montgomery, he's only 6,100 against the Bengals. He looked great against a fairly strong Rams defense yesterday. So playing the Bengals, he's very tempting, 6,100. If we move further down, Leonard Fournette, Uncle Lenny, 5,100 against the Falcons. That caught my eye. If he ends up getting most of the touches in that backfield in week two, just like he did in week one, Paying down for him at running back will open up more flexibility elsewhere in your lineup, and he could be a great tournament option. I'm also going back to the well on Chase Edmonds. He's still only 4,900 against the Vikings. Edmonds was my smash play of the week against the Titans, and he ended up with over 100 total yards in that game. He just didn't happen to score a touchdown. Fire him up again this week. He's tournament and cash viable. On FanDuel, we have McCaffrey at the top. He's $10,000. I actually really like the big dog, Derrick Henry. He's down at only 8,000 against Seattle this week. And then if you liked Najee Harris at 6,300 on DraftKings, you're going to love him on FanDuel because it's half PPR, which favors running backs, and he's 6,100. So he's cheaper on FanDuel, despite FanDuel giving you $10,000 more in salary. Remember, $50,000 on DraftKings for your lineup, $60,000 on FanDuel. Yet he's $200 cheaper on FanDuel. You have to play Najee Harris on FanDuel. And that leads into a big fate of mine. Damian Harris is actually $100 more expensive than Najee Harris on FanDuel, despite 
worse overall usage and talent. Turning to wide receiver, on DraftKings, we have Hopkins at the top at 8000 The minimum salary this week is 3000 as always. I really like the Cowboys. Amari Cooper, 6800 CeeDee Lamb, 6400 Remember, no Michael Gallup this week. He had the calf injury. He's out the next month. And the new Dallas wide receiver three, Cedric Wilson. He's only 3100 And that's a solid option for your Dallas lineups in tournaments as a stacking complement to Cooper or Lamb. I also like the Bucks receivers with Chris Godwin at 6,600 and Antonio Brown at 6,000. We have Cooper Cup at 6,000, and I think he's going to feast for the second week in a row. He's playing the Colts zone coverage. That is where he has thrived historically is against zone. I'm definitely playing some Cooper Cup this Sunday. Then we have the perennially underrated Brandon Cooks. He's still only 5,900 below 6K. The 130-yard performance last week apparently didn't do enough to boost his salary up any further, probably because he's on the quote-unquote Texans. I still like him as a singular play in your lineups. Bengals receivers Higgins and Chase are 5,400 and 5,000 respectively against Chicago. And then we have Odell. He's 5,200 against Houston. If Odell plays, very tempting at only 5,200. And then we have Cortland Sutton, who's 5,200 against Jacksonville. And remember, Jerry Judy, the pretty graphic high ankle sprain, he's out for the next two months. Cortland Sutton, 5,200. And you might say, oh, Josh, he he really disappointed in week one. I don't think he's playable. You can't, how would you ever play a guy with that kind of week one stat line? Two words, James Bradbury. The Giants, as much of a punchline as they sometimes are, have one of the elite lockdown corners in James Bradbury. And he just bullied Sutton all game. But fortunately for Sutton, the Jaguars do not have that alpha bully corner and I think he's going to eat against Jacksonville. One guy I feel like is most likely going to end up on the fade list, Debo Samuel is 6,700 against the Eagles. And it seems like his week one explosion was partially due to Ayuk and that lingering hamstring injury. So I'd rather pay $100 more and get Amari Cooper in that Dallas offense, which is now missing Michael Gallup. On FanDuel, we had Hopkins. He's at the top, 8,500. And I really like Lamb at 6,800 on FanDuel because he's $1,000 cheaper than Amari Cooper. And then again, I mentioned it before, if he suits up, Odell Beckham, great play against Houston. He's only 6,000. Landry is priced at 6,800. So $800 cheaper than Landry. If Odell is active, he should be in your lineups for week two. Moving on to tight end, we have Waller at the top, 7,600 on DraftKings. And the minimum salary is 2,500. I know, I know, he's old, whatever. I still like Gronk. He's 4,700 against Atlanta. And he looked pretty vintage last week. Moving further down, we have Gerald Everett at 3,600. He caught a touchdown week one. He might catch another touchdown week two. Everett looks like he's, in this salary range, always going to be a great play week to week because of Russell Wilson. Dalton Schultz, you know, I got it wrong. I Sometimes us analytics folks, we swing and miss. Looks like I might have swung and missed. I thought Blake Jarwin was going to be the tight end one in Dallas. And at least after week one, it was emphatically Dalton Schultz as their tight end one. And Schultz is only 3,300. He had six targets in week one. And yeah, I, I like that price tag, 3,300. Another one, Adam Troutman, who had a massive target share, but just didn't end up having the fantasy points in week one. Troutman is down at 3,000 on DraftKings. Great play. On FanDuel, we have Darren Waller at the top. He's 7,000. 
which is actually $600 cheaper than DraftKings. So yeah, he's a really solid play on FanDuel. Also, Juwan Johnson of the Saints. He's interesting at 5100 on FanDuel. It's interesting because he is wide receiver eligible on DraftKings, not tight end eligible, but it's the reverse on FanDuel. He's tight end eligible there. And I wonder if him being wide receiver eligible only on DraftKings is going to make some DFS players forget about even checking on him for FanDuel. Moving on to defense special teams, the Rams are at the top on DraftKings, 4,500 against the Colts. That feels like an easy fade. And then the minimum defense is 2,000. It's the Texans. They're facing the Browns. Probably wouldn't recommend playing the Texans or the Rams. But you know who you should play? You should play the Saints at only 3,100 against Carolina. The Saints defense just held Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to zero touchdowns. Imagine what they can do against Samuel Darnold. On FanDuel, the Patriots are at the top. They're 5,000 against the Jets. And then again, I like the Saints. They're 4,300 against the Panthers on FanDuel. The Saints are looking like the best defense play on the slate. Now, turning towards all the games on the main slate, we have New Orleans Saints at the Carolina Panthers. The line is currently Saints minus three, so they're favored to win by three points. And the over-under is 46 points for that game. Next, we have the Bengals at the Bears. The Bears are favored by three points, and that game total is also 46 points. Not super interested in either of those games. And I'm not interested particularly in this next game either, which is Texans at Browns. The Browns are favored by... I almost chuckled when I saw this. The Browns are favored by 11 points. The line is minus 11 for the Browns. And the over-under is 48 points. If that tells me anything, it's that maybe this could be a good Nick Chubb week if the Browns are expected to score a ton of points. Especially if Odell is out, you can fire up Chubb. You could even fire up Kareem Hunt in a tournament. Now, this game I am slightly interested in. It's Rams at Colts. And there's kind of a conflicting information on the point spread. I'm not quite sure what that's going to end up being. The over-under on that game is tentatively at 47 and a half. I'll be very interested to see where the odds shake out the next few days, but I think Stafford is a viable quarterback for some stacks with Cup. You could have Stafford Cup, Sean Jackson, Stafford Cup, Van Jefferson. There's a lot of interesting ways you can go. We could also go back to the well on Carson Wentz, who looked halfway decent last week and put up a decent amount of fantasy points. You could go back to Wentz. You could have Wentz, Pascal Pittman, Wentz, Pascal Campbell. They're kind of gross, but these could end up being pretty efficient ways to allocate some money. And of course, you have those great runback options on the Rams with Cup, Woods. You could even run it back with Higby. Another game I'm not interested in is Broncos at the Jaguars. Current line is Broncos favored by six points. The over-under, it's a little low, 44 points between those teams. I'm still waiting on Josh Allen to get that juicy matchup. Hasn't happened yet. Steelers week one, Dolphins week two. It's Bills at Dolphins. Bills favored by three and a half with a 47 and a half game total. Another kind of snooze-worthy game in the fantasy points department is Patriots at the Jets. I think in real life, it's kind of fun to watch Zach Wilson and Mac Jones duke it out. But for DFS, probably not a game I'm going to have too much exposure to. The Patriots are favored by four points and the game total is 43. Another game that is, it's there. I'm not super interested. Again, as I mentioned, I really like Jalen Hurts. I'll be playing some Jalen Hurts lineups, but it's the 49ers at the Eagles. 49ers favored by three. Game total is 48 points. To play this one, you could do Jalen Hurts, Devonta Smith, 
add in Dallas Goddard if you want. You can run it back on the 49ers side with Elijah Mitchell if you wanted. So there's some interesting ways to attack this one. And the game total for that one is 48 points. Next, we have Raiders at the Steelers. Steelers favored by 6.5 with 49 points being scored in this game. I think there might be some interesting singular plays here, but I'm not particularly interested in stacking Derek Carr or Ben Roethlisberger. Of course, Monday Night Football is about to happen, so that could change depending on, I don't know, if Josh Jacobs gets injured or something and we suddenly realize that the passing attack becomes more consolidated, I'll consider it. But at least right now, not a game I expect to have too much exposure to. Then we have another game with Vikings at Cardinals. Cardinals favored by four, 51 point total, which is pretty high. And I'm excited about this game. I will definitely be going back to the well on those Kyler Murray stacks. He looked phenomenal in week one. And the Vikings let up quite a few points against the Bengals last week. So that vaunted Vikings defense might be closer to average for the 2021 season. And I don't really care to wait and find out. I will be aggressively playing Kyler Murray in this one. You can go Kyler Murray Hopkins. You could go Murray Kirk, Murray Kirk, Rondale Moore, Murray Hopkins, Kirk, Murray Hopkins, Edmonds. There's a lot of ways to attack this. You can run it back on the Vikings side with Thielen or Jefferson or Dalvin Cook. This is a very exciting game to target. Then we have the most lopsided game on the slate. If you thought Browns favored by 11 was hilarious, just you wait. Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers favored by 12 and a half. 52 and a half game total. I really like playing some Tom Brady here. Last year, this year, seems like the Buccaneers are going to trend very pass heavy regardless of game script. So I really like Brady, Godwin, Gronk, Antonio Brown. Leonard Fournette, there's a lot of great options there. Then on the Falcon side, you can run it back with Ridley. You could go back to the well on Kyle Pitts, who had the target share but didn't have the production in week one. Very interesting game to stack. Then we have another really good game, which is Cowboys at Chargers. Chargers favored by two and a half, 52 and a half point total. This looks like it's going to be an offensive bonanza, and I can't wait for it. I'm sure I'm going to have some Dak stacks. I'm going to have some Herbert stacks. Mike Williams emerged with double-digit targets in week one. He's a viable stacking partner. Of course, Keenan Allen is with Herbert. On the Cowboys end, I already mentioned Cooper, Lamb, Cedric Wilson. You could even play Schultz. This is going to be an exciting one. You could even run it back if you're stacking Chargers with Ezekiel Elliott, who despite not having the fantasy points, did have the usage. He ran more routes than any other running back in week one. So that tells you, if anything, that Ezekiel Elliott is still the guy despite having under six fantasy points in week one. Final game on the main slate. I'm interested in this one as well. It's the Titans at the Seahawks. Seahawks are favored by five and a half with a nice high game total of 52 and a half points. And if you were living under a rock, uh, Kyler Murray absolutely decimated that Titans secondary in week one. And you want to know which quarterback is better than Kyler Murray? It is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was a surgeon against the Colts last week, and I expect him to carve up the Titans once again. Stack him with Metcalf. Stack him with Lockett. Stack him with Everett. It's exciting. And the Titans in comeback mode fight that fantasy PTSD, as the Podfather says. You can go right back to Tannehill AJ Brown, Tannehill Julio. It's all fair game in this one. And if you want an idea of an actual type of lineup that I'm already considering playing, for week two, it would be Dak Prescott stacked with Amari Cooper 
and C.D. Lamb. Running it back with Keenan Allen. I love that game environment. At running back, Leonard Fournette paired with tight end Kyle Pitts. So getting a little skinny correlation in that Falcons-Buccaneers game. Other running back slot, Chase Edmonds. I just cannot, I can't get off Chase Edmonds. 4900 It's too good of a price, and I love the pass-catching role. And then in the flex, Jamar Chase. He's only $5,000. And at defense, we go the Bears. Here's hoping the Bears have a nice pick six early on. There's a Joe Burrow fumble that they recover and score for a touchdown, and they put the Bengals in a hole early. They're in comeback mode, and Jamar Chase gets all the targets. Now, I'm going to get out of here, but my bold prediction for week two. I know, I know. After a measly five catches for 51 yards on eight targets, why would you pay up for Calvin Ridley? But I'm letting you know that I expect in a high-scoring game where you know the Falcons are going to have to throw a lot, I expect a full-on bounce back for Calvin Ridley against the Buccaneers. And it would not shock me if Calvin Ridley finishes as the highest-scoring wide receiver on the entire slate. We also have the underdog Pick'em Generator. Breaking news, Chef Russell Wilson faces the Titans in Week 2. We had Christian Kirk, McCaffrey, Devonta Smith, Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DeAndre Swift, almost all the best plays of the week. Cortland Sutton, 5,200. And you might say, oh, Josh, he, he really disappointed in Week 1. I don't think he's playable. You can't, how would you ever play a guy with that kind of Week 1 stat line? Two words, James Bradbury. And if you were living under a rock, uh, Kyler Murray absolutely decimated that Titan secondary in week one. While other services, they wink and they hint and they try and sneak you a little note under the table and give you, they'll give you a little idea of who to play in your lineups. But really, we all know they're keeping their favorite plays and stacks to themselves so they can have unique lineups and profit at your expense. Najee Harris played a ridiculous 100% of the team's snaps, which rarely ever happens in today's game. Imagine what they can do against Samuel Darnold. Then we have the most lopsided game on the slate. If you thought Browns favored by 11 was hilarious, just you wait. Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers favored by 12 and a half. 